0: said, Excuse me, you don't understand where I'm at. I was all around the world, on span across the map. I've been laying low, and now it's time to pop up, bitch. I'm back now. I'm gonna run it up. Snooze on a kid that you dumb or what? You better go get your numbers up.
1: I really need to make a graphic for this show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the MCU's Bleeding Edge. I'm Alexis out of uh, Rattledge and Broadcasting Network and Honeysuckle Rose Creations. I will be moderating tonight. So let's go ahead and introduce our panel. First, uh, the gentleman who you have to thank for that opening, uh, Jeff. How's it going, man?
2: Hey, I'm really proud of my work
1: i'm sure you are all right we also have our uh a returning guest she is also a frequent guest of the podcast of champions renee hello hi there how is everybody doing good uh, you Bye. were a last minute call-in we're really glad you were able to uh, fit us into your busy schedule so thank mm. you for that no problem and we have a new guest here tonight uh, he's based out of los angeles he is an actor uh let's give it up for audi
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Am I What's saying is Audi? it wait, is it Audi or Audi? I, where's the accent?
0: Uh Audi.
1: Accent? Audi, so it's like the car. Okay.
0: Audi. Yeah, I was named after a, I was named after Audi Murphy. I don't know if anybody knows who that is. Yeah, I do. Anybody? Most decorated yeah,
3: just, uh so much, soldier much, in World War Two. Became an actress. Nice.
1: Wow. Very cool. All right. Well, we're glad to have you on, man. Thank yeah, you for great. joining us. All right. Uh, so uh, tonight's a little different. Uh, before we get to talking about... Actually, okay. Um, Jeff, I believe you wanted to start off tonight's show discussing... Uh, well, first, we're going to do the trailer for Moon Knight, correct? Yeah,
2: I've got the Moon Knight trailer. I'm going to go out All and right. play it right now.
1: We got a couple... Hello, and welcome
2: to Staying Awake. I have a sleeping disorder.
0: I can't tell the difference between my waking life and
2: dreams.
1: Hello,
0: and welcome to <laughs> Staying Awake. <laughs> I think I'm losing it. We'll
1: catch you on. Your blood are useless, Stevie.
0: Stephen, <laughs> I can't tell the difference between, between life, life and dreams. dreams. <gasps> oh,
2: thank you. Lost oh, the contact lens. Hope you find it. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my
3: God, you're
0: alive. What's wrong with you, Mark? Why did you call me Mark? That must be very difficult. The voice in your head. Shut up! There's chaos in you. <laughs> Embrace the chaos
1: all right yeah so we got also right oscar isaac bleh. Uh, premiering as Moon Knight, that's going to be starting up here before too long. I I actually am not too familiar with the character. Jeff, how much do you know about uh, the character of Moon
2: Knight? Uh, I mean, a a little bit more than you, um, but, like, not that much. I mean, I understand his origin story and everything and whatnot. He's Mark Spector, um, a a mercenary, um, uh, basically that um, essentially... um, becomes like deserted and almost killed and like like left for dead uh in the desert like um and um at this like uh, excavation site or whatever and um the uh the moon god Khonshu, uh, approaches him like he he dies like he actually does die and the moon god uh Kanshu offers him a deal to give him his life back if he if he it will be the vessel. Of Kanshu, you know what I'm saying, and Konshu yeah. is like uh, the god of vengeance or whatever, you know. So,
1: so kind um, of a PG 13 version of Spawn, in a way,
2: yeah, in a way, kind of like that, yeah. And, um, honestly, to tell you the truth, I mean, um, I from the comic books, I don't remember his uni- his outfit spawning out of him like that, like it did in the trailer. Like, that's mm-hmm. kind of new to tell you the truth, I, I for me, anyway
1: definitely well it's also new that the trailer kind of evokes mummy bandages in a way the wrappings i think that was a more stylistic choice and i kind of like it actually you know usually i mean the details never been there it's just always been white i also find it kind of interesting then in the comics uh even though his costumes all white you his face is black and i'm assuming that was just like a shading thing to make it a little easier to see but this time no it's like it's all white including his face it looks very different from the comics, in that sense, but I think it does look really cool. Uh, Renee, what do you think? Um,
3: yeah, I'm not familiar with uh, Moon Knight at all. I mean, Jeff just filled me in pretty much, to, um, sort of the basics of the character, and and I sort of picked up on the the idea of mercenary. Where, um of course, the last Hawkeye, of course, come from the mercenary background, and then we have the Black Widows, and they're so we have these mercenary characters that are coming in. Um, yeah, the, um, I've looked I've seen this trailer several times already on other podcasts and, um, so I'm really looking forward to it. Like I said, I really like uh, Oscar Isaac and uh, oh, yeah. this one, the whole theme of chaos and, you know, is it waking life or a dreaming life? And I think that's definitely going to tie directly into, uh, the upcoming phase Four multiverse of madness, uh, mm-hmm. theme
1: yeah definitely uh looks like we lost Adi there um yeah we were having uh we were having some connection problems with him earlier uh, as you guys probably saw he is using his phone to connect with us so uh his uh, wi-fi was kind of going in and out we'll try to get him back uh here later in the show so but we apologize dude if you're listening we're going to try to get you back in okay but, yeah, this does look really cool. I love Ethan Hawke as the bad guy. He, he is such a great actor. I still I still watch Sinister all the time. It's one of my favorite movies with him in it. He was so good in that. It's going to be really interesting uh, to see him as the full-blown villain. So well, I'm looking forward to that.
2: Alexis, What, basically one thing that I will tell you from the trailer is that all of the different identities that you that he represents or whatever during the course of the trailer – are the ones from the comic books. They're like very comic book orientated. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I think yeah. there's I think there's four of them all together. Um and um he he does like at least three of them um during the trailer. Uh the Steven character, when he's Steven, that's when he's like a um that's when he's like a uh, a stockbroker or something like that. Like a, you're like he's wealthy or whatever, you know like mm-hmm. and, and that's that's part of like how he like fights crime it's like a part of it you know like one of the his tools or whatever Mhm Are you there? Yeah, I don't
0: know. I think
2: my <laughs> Yeah, man. It doesn't Yeah, you don't sound you don't sound very pretty good, bro.
1: Yeah, sorry man, you're sounding like BB8. I think that's what happened to me the other couple of weeks ago because
3: I was trying to do it on an iPad, and it just it just can't handle this particular um, platform. Just can't handle the iPads can't handle it. Put that way,
2: so I'm audio. seeing. Yeah. Oh no, right. oh, man, you're way like too garbled. Like, sorry, but might,
1: it might work if we can get them on with just audio. I've done this on my phone with just that's audio before, idea. not audio and video. That might help
2: audi um, go go to go just to audio instead of video just do audio
1: yeah turn your camera off
2: hey girl turn off your camera and just go audio Audie,
1: let's see if that helps
2: Audie, yeah how's, how's that you know what i think that that was a good idea alexis
1: yeah this is what we had to do a couple of weeks ago uh mark and i were doing a review and i was on the road uh between conventions so obviously uh, (laughs) yeah couldn't have the camera on me because i kind of needed to focus on the road so i was i talked to him just over audio so i think i think renee's right i don't think iphones and ipads mobile devices like that can handle StreamYard. For yeah, because
2: remember Alexis Arch had problems that one night with his setup or whatever. We he mm-hmm. had to go straight audio eventually. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. So Audi, how can you hear? Can you hear us okay?
2: I mean, you guys sound like a bunch of
0: transformers, but it's it's it goes in and out, but it's it's fun. We can, so, can hear you. Me...
1: You sound clear as day, man. You sound great.
0: Yeah. All right. Perfect. So I just turn off my camera, and it's just the mic.
2: So I hope that helps. Yeah, it does.
1: All right, well, since we got everyone, I think we can go ahead and move on to our main discussion tonight, uh, which is actually the very first episode of The Book of Boba Fett on Disney+. Plus. Uh, this was a show that I don't think a lot of us knew was coming when it was first announced. It was teased at the end of The Mandalorian Season 2, and a lot of people were kind of taking you know, just in shock. It's like, oh, wait, we're getting another show? No. And it was so great uh to have Tamara Morrison come back. This is something that I know the fans have been really excited for. Uh Let's see here. So this debuted on uh, December 29th. We get to see uh, Boba Fett's escape from the Sarlacc pit, which Lord knows there's been enough fan art about. Uh... No. <laughs> So we, we got, got th- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So one of the big things with the show is that we got a split timeline on this. We're showing both uh the, the what is their present which is both at taking over uh Jabba's territory and we're seeing his adventures between um when he escaped the Sarlacc pit the Sarlacc and, and- And when he was he met up with um, with the Mandalorian, with Pedro Pascal's character, which we saw in the Mandalorian season, two. So first thing is, I want to know what you guys think about the idea of doing the split timeline and how well you think it works. Uh, Renee, let's start with you.
3: Uh, Yeah, I saw this fact a couple couple weeks ago and first saw it. And um, it was kind of a little disconcerting, I, I, I think. The problem at least with the first episode was that the um the present day narrative was sort of dragged behind the um flashback narrative so I think that hampered it just a little bit the I think while Boba was in the midst of the um the um sand people, the tarlax I guess that's what are Tuscan people.
1: The Tuscan Raiders, it's yeah. Tuscan yeah. Raiders
3: you know, I thought that was all very interesting and it was just, just very well played out. Not a lot of dialogue, just a lot of silence and and um, just watching the characters, watching what unfolds. So I thought that was very interesting. But then, when like I say, when it got back to the um, present day, it was kind of didn't know what was going on because a lot of this we're going to see in another flashback later, uh, further down the road, a little spoiler there, but... Um, uh, I think though it did sort of catch up as the uh, series progressed, but ju- but just that's that's for another show.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, um, Adi, do you want to tell us what you think about the uh, split timeline for the show?
0: I mean, it's funny. I was watching it and uh, I I enjoy it, but I have read articles that certain directors don't like to split between you know the present day and flashbacks. They feel like, like people can follow it just fine, but I, I mean, I, I think that because the show is a limited episode, and it's going to be, you know, explaining what happened to Boba I think it is important that they have like the the main and then the flashback, so we can see what happens, and it, you know, we can connect it. But I gotta say, if somebody's like watching and be like, "What's going on?" But uh, for me personally, I you know, I I get what I get what's going on, and I like that they do that because then you know, you're like, "Oh, this is what he went through to get to this point." And then they converse again at a certain point and then keep the plot
1: going. All right. Uh Jeff, you wanna add your two cents?
2: Yeah, I mean, I just think it's really interesting. I I've enjoyed that th- this this aspect, this whole like uh dichotomy and whatnot, like that they have going on right from episode one on through the show. I've really liked it. Um I like everything about what John Favreau has done so far with this show, but um as far as like the um the intro, like, you know, and my my first reaction to it, I was a little bit kind of like, um, not taken aback, I guess, a little bit, just kind of like you know by like um, the direction, you know. But once once I got into like got into it, like uh, it, it worked for me. Um, but I will tell you that as far as like the whole thing with the startless Scarlack or whatever the hell it's called, um, that was like so interesting to me. Like what an interesting way to start an, an episode. You know, like, uh, or to start a show like that. um, But, like, to have him literally, like, be, like, have to fight his way out of, like, that thing or whatever, you know? um, It was cool. It was really, really cool to watch. Um, And, uh, listen, I didn't watch The Mandalorian yet. Was this Boba Fett character and this actor in The Mandalorian? Yeah. Season two. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that.
1: Yep, season two The Mandalorian shows how Boba gets his uh signature armor back, uh, which we saw being stolen off of him in this episode by the Jawas. Ah,
2: okay,
1: Lorna, knows you can't trust the Jawa. You can't trust the them.
2: Shit. Yeah, little I know,
1: right?
0: <laughs> you look at them, you go,
1: Man, they're so cute. Hey, where'd my wallet go? Just... <laughs> 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 what is, what You're not saying? wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> i might have to steal that line i like that <laughs> so yeah we've like so we've seen so much fan art of seeing uh boba fett burst out of the sarlacc uh i actually didn't know that his armor was beskar and that's how he survived i mean it makes sense we know now that the beskar armor can't survive the acid of the sarlacc pit which is kind of a cool detail that's um, yeah, yes. That saw
0: Like was uh, really sucking him dry there. I was watching, like, how is he going to get out? And then he got out all, you know, wet, dry kind of. And I was like, oh, uh, I guess you're not going to call the Starlight Pit again. Um, she's really well, a-
3: well, assuming he's like, <laughs> just that the short time he was there, he was affected so much that he still, he has deterioration, slow deterioration, and that's what the um, tank that was yes. first see him right. in. That he has to go to that tank ever so often. Thank you for
2: explaining that to me, yeah. Renee.
1: Yeah, and the Bacta tank is also a good way to help bring up the time, uh, break up the timeline a little bit because the uh, flashbacks <gasps> that we've seen so far have been while he's recovering in the Bacta tank. So we can kind of accredit them to him flashing, having flashbacks in his memories, kind of reliving. What, while he's in that healing stage, I do love. So, there's someone online, I, a friend of mine, who cannot stop complaining about the back to tank though, because he's lying down, he's on his back, and he's got the, the mouthpiece like uh, like a basic scuba tank uh, mouthpiece. He's using that to breathe, but his nose is uncovered, and he keeps pointing out that for, physics says that he should still drown because if you're lying back like that and your nose is open. You're still going to have water going up your nose, regardless if you're breathing out of your mouth or not. So he should still yeah. drown. Well, we don't know what Bactafluid fluid is. It may have properties
3: that, that would not necessarily drown someone
1: nasally. Possibly.
0: <laughs> I want to hear from that bacta tanking. Uh, that to juice and sell it because it's
1: doing wonders <laughs> i like that there's a great meme going around that shows deadpool trying to get into the bacta tank and uh, <laughs> and boba fett says something to the effect of like you're gonna have to be in there for a while and boba fett's like i've got my rubber ducky i'm ready for it <laughs> <laughs> So, but yeah, so he's lost, so yes, we get the timeline, the the flashback that he has lost uh, his armor from the Jawas, and he is kidnapped by the Tusken Raiders. We see him digging for the black melons, which I'm guessing is like getting water from a cactus, I think, is uh, what we're led to believe. Is anyone...
2: Got any other ideas on how that works? No, I mean that that's gotta be some it's gotta be something like that because they just seem to be out there if I guess if you just dig like anywhere kind of in the desert in a certain spot or whatever, they're just there. Being on a desert
0: planet. I mean that that's kind of crazy. You just dig out a Egg. Like, here, you yeah, drink. yeah,
2: and like the liquid yeah. that that comes out of it is like I think is like very restorative too. It's not just like water. It's like you know what I mean. Like it actually like has something to it. It's like playing Legend of Zelda. Just go digging through there. Oh look, there's
1: there's a coin. Yeah, let me just pick this up. Let me put this in my
0: mouth. It'll be okay.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, they may be buried. These may be
3: caches of of water fluid that the Tuscans have buried in. They know, they sort of know, because we got to say the, the Tuscans are sort of based on Bedouins, um, tribesmen. So if you sort of think in terms of how they do things, living out in the desert all the time and have to know the desert like the back of their hand, then you can sort of understand that maybe yeah, this they is, me
0: of,
3: it could be stuff they've buried or, or if it's something that grows there naturally, they, they know how how to ferret it out.
0: I wanted to say that it, what you said uh, remind me of uh, Dune.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, very uh, much, very, very much. much. That's what I was thinking when you said that. It does, it does, it is it, it is kind of just like Dune, Um, freaking great movie. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, absolutely. Really good, yeah.
1: So, got that. Uh, going back to the current timeline, uh, we have Fed he is, uh laid claim to the area. We see a couple of people offering him tributes. Let's see here. We see him going to the cantina called the Sanctuary. Oh,
2: you know what, Alexis? If you don't mind me jumping in real quick, I actually wanted to say something connecting kind of what Renee said earlier about how interesting the whole experience was seeing him like um, work his way up with the Tuscans. You know what I mean? Yeah, please go ahead. how that Go all it, played man. out and everything, like, that was really interesting. Like, I really, I really, that was probably, for me, the, the the coolest part of the episode, for me, was that part. Like, I really enjoyed that whole, that whole concept of the fact that, like, he had to kind of, like, earn his keep and everything and whatnot with the Tuskens, you know, like, to kind of find his place with them and everything, you know what I mean? And then, like, you know, um, you know, he becomes like he becomes like a part of the tribe and everything and whatnot. You know what I mean? Like in everything. Yeah. I, absolutely. I, I found that, I, I found that really interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They were whooping his ass. They were whooping his ass.
3: Don't <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. Saves, he saves the chieftain's son. I think what, what. Yeah. Brings him in. You know?
1: Might be the chief's son. It's just, uh, it's, on the Wikipedia, it says it's just a Tuscan child. Mm-hmm. So. Um... Well, even so, you
3: know.
1: So it it might be might just be like hey he saved a kid but either way and we are going to see in future episodes how he continues to uh, climb and become more accepted by the tribe which is uh, really a fascinating look and they do and it's also very fascinating because they do so much of it with very little communication. Uh, Boba does not speak the language of well I don't know if what you'd call that a language I don't know what how these. To how the Tuscans communicate?
2: Oh, the donkey talk. Yeah, they sound like, yeah, the, like that. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's actually very accurate. Yeah,
3: it could be like seals. You know, you think about the if you if sea lions, that's the sound they make, and that would sort of yeah. explain the the
1: muzzle type appearance they have.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: but now all I can think of is that episode of Pinky and the Brain, where Brain learned how to talk sea lion. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I just know if you're out of the desert, and you hear that you like, what the, what the fuck? Is, what is that? What is that? You just hear a donkey screaming at you? That would be terrifying. I don't even.
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so going back, uh, we got the sanctuary, the cantino, and the uh, run or the cantina most espo run by uh, Garza Whip. I think is how it's pronounced. Played by freaking Jennifer Beals. Uh, really uh this that's the actress who played the lead in flash dance yeah yeah she looks good as a twi'lek
2: what i was sitting
0: there like damn you're fine for an alien
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's what i was thinking too
3: and she's She's gotta be in her 60s
1: oh let's see here i got the page up here on wikipedia she is 58 she's 58 so close yeah so, we got that. We got them getting attacked by uh, the assassins out front. Uh, Boba is injured and he sends uh, Fennec Shand. Of course, so we got Fennec Shand returning, who's kind of now uh, Boba's right right hand assassin, assistant, right hand man, whatever you want to call her. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you guys think of uh, Ming Nong Wen? Whoa, someone got a little high pitched there. What do you guys think of Ming Nong Wen uh, playing this role? Uh, let's start with uh, Audi. You want to take the first on that? Yeah, you know what's funny?
0: Um, I, I, I didn't see her in, in other shows, but I remember as a kid seeing her as Chung Lee in Street Fighter, the movie.
1: Which there you go. Content. That's right. So
0: I see her now, and I'm like, oh, you're still kind of thick. Okay, all right. <laughs> she's, she's still pretty, though, too. I'm like, okay, okay, all right. I like her character, though.
1: Yeah, ming uh, Owen's really proven herself for this kind of a role. She was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Disney fans know her as the voice of Mulan.
2: That's yes, right. Yes, she was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., yep. Mm-hmm.
1: So it's really cool seeing her really fit into this role. Uh, Renee, what do you think of uh, Ming-Na as Fennec Shand?
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, I had seen her on uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, before and just really liked her. I just, she was like, you know, aside from Coulson, she was like my favorite character. And then she was also a small part of um, The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, um she Meets her demise in that series, but then of course, we understand she, she's like Boba Fett, she is also res, a resurrected character. So, um, yeah, I just I think she just I think she and Boba Fett, the uh, the two actors, uh, Tamura Morrison and and uh, how's her name, Zung Zung Wei, um, however, pronounce her name, I think they really work well together because they're both taciturn, they don't speak a lot, they communicate with just looking at each other and, and things like that. So I think it's uh, a really good matchup.
1: Yeah, we are going to see in a later episode uh, how she is resurrected. Uh, fans of body horror will love that scene. <laughs> Sorry, when they reveal, in The Mandalorian, when she reveals what they did to save her alive, I'm kind of iffy on body horror. So when she shows up, I'm like, whoa, okay. Didn't need to see that. Thank you.
0: Oh, you saw that as body hoarder- horror?
1: She's got I, I gears was, in her body. Yes.
0: I mean, I don't know. I, I think of um, damn uh, Cronenberg. When I when you say body horror, I think of Cronenberg and I okay. think of more flesh and bones. But cybernetics? yeah, yeah. She's really more is.
1: RoboCop. She's more RoboCop. Yeah, very cyborg. much. Yeah. yeah, she is a cyborg. Like so, we're gonna get a later episode where they show more of what they did to save her life. So, but yeah, she does work really well. And I do like how competently written both she and Boba Fett are. They just, it sounds weird, but something like this, you would almost expect one of them to have a learning curve on how well they're doing. But these are both professionals. And I love just how they understand exactly what their job is and how they're supposed to do it. This is not a beating around the bush, learning as we go kind of story arc. These are characters who know what they're doing and they know how to get it. And I like that. That's not something we get very often. And they're both over
3: 40. They're they they're mature yes. individuals.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely good to, to see when you're you know you're an actor. You think that when you're past your prime, nobody's going to put you in roles. But uh, the, the actress uh, that played uh, Fennec, she's been around for a minute. And uh, she still looks like she hasn't aged at all.
1: She's also so, 58. She yeah. and Jennifer Beals are the same age. You've got
2: to be kidding they look, me. They look great.
1: She does wow. not look a day over... 35. Yeah, I would definitely
2: yeah. – I mean, yeah, I would rock that without question. Like I definitely would. I, I mean, you know, I, I'm sorry, but that's, just, that's unbelievable that she's actually only 58 – that she's 58 years old. I can't even believe that. But mm-hmm. no, I, I just wanted to chime in, Alexis, that just to like basically pair it – because these guys basically already like sa- said everything there was to say about, um, you know – uh the, you know, the, the, I forgot the name of the, uh, the, the assassin. What's her name? Um, how do you pronounce Fennec. her name? Fennec. Oh, Fennec. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really, I really, uh, again, basically just again, parroting off of the other guests. I, lo- I really like the, the, the dynamic between him, her and Boba. I feel like, you know, again, like the, there's, there, are they have really good chemistry together, you mm-hmm. know? And and it's they seem like a, na- a good natural fit together too, as like an actor and an actress.
1: Very much, they have good chemistry. So let's um, see here. Is there um, anything else uh, anybody else wants to talk about with this episode before we move on to our next uh, topic of discussion? As it were? Well, um, just so- to
0: go, oh, 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 go okay, ahead, Audi.
1: Audi, why don't you no. go ahead and go first?
0: No, I was going to say, um, in, in this episode is, uh, we saw that that one alien that was hostage in the, um with with the uh, the raiders right and he was the one that was helping them look for uh the the black eggs
1: the Ro- yeah um, the rodian yeah we see him get killed by that uh, creature in the sand i just want to
0: say he deserved it 1001% cuz he was i'm just keeping a 100 he was being a real bitch like the guy was trying to help him and he's like nah <laughs> Everything nah nope so when he <laughs> died i was like damn that's fucked up all right <sighs> good luck i just did not like his character and the fact that he did that like why would you why would you do that to somebody he's like yo i'm trying to help you he's like nah i'm gonna cinch like why, why would you do that <laughs> i just never got that i was like you, you're, you're really gonna at... oh man so that that just irked me uh watching that i was like yeah thank god he died though
1: fair point uh renee what do you got <laughs>
3: Oh, I was just going to point out, uh, like the Mandalorian, this is what's called a space opera or mm-hmm. a Western outer space. And very much, I think that what we're talking about, the dynamic between the two leads. I mean, if you think like Burt Lancaster and, and Kirk Douglas and those types of movies, where, there's, where it's just, again, um, uh, what the Magnificent Seven were, were their characters I, i'm thinking of the um jimmy coburn character who's just almost doesn't say anything and through the whole movie it's all through his actions so i like that uh thematic to it and uh it's you know certainly ties in with the mandalorian since it's a you know a allied story but um uh i think that does go back to the original intent of the first star wars movie which was pretty much a western in outer space too yeah space opera
1: yeah, they just, uh, yeah. yeah that's a really good comparison it's good i'm actually taking notes on that that's something i'm gonna have to bring up when we discuss this show on the rattled and broadcasting network uh okay jeff you haven't seen the mandalorian uh season no, two yet so no, you're going it. into this probably uh, with the biggest blank slay it out of all of us so what did, what did, do you have any other thoughts on the first episode just, before we move just on? that,
2: uh, just that t- uh tamira morrison is as excellent as boba fett
1: that he is. I was going to say, let's see here, he is, if the if the girls are 58, he is, he's 61. And again, he looks incredible. Uh, we see actually that he has really gotten in shape for this, because I, I think a lot of us, the last thing we saw him in before this was he played Aquaman's father. Yeah, so.
0: he did. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And... Actually-
0: That's actually a pretty interesting thing that they. uh, I didn't want to cut you off, but it was kind of interesting that they made uh, Aquaman. uh, I think he's, I don't know what I'm saying right, Maui?
1: Something like that, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it made kind of sense that they made him that way because of how their culture is with the ocean, the sea. And I was like, that actually made his character even more interesting. Uh, You know, like his whole look and aesthetic. I was like, okay, they, they changed it in a way that. I saw it more of as an improvement because it had a connection with a culture that had more to do with seafaring and, you know, water. And I just thought that was interesting.
1: Absolutely. I agree. All right. uh, Then uh, shall we move on to our next point of order? Uh, Jeff, do you want to bring up uh, one of those articles that you sent me that we're going to talk about?
2: Yeah. Why don't we do the Eternals one first? Since Audie just saw the Eternals just recently.
1: All right. So, yeah, this article talks about uh, the Eternals, which we know is the lowest rated on Rotten Tomatoes of all the MCU movies. This movie did not get positive reviews. Uh, Jeff, you and I did a show on this a while back, and you and I both agreed we weren't fans of it. Uh, real quick, in uh, 20 words or less, uh, Audi, since you just saw it, what did you think of Eternals? It, it, it was
0: pretty. It was pretty. Uh, yeah, it was pretty. Um but I grew up with DC, so some of these characters in Marvel, I'm like, who the fuck is that? Who's that? Who's that? Who's this? So when they were saying that they changed the race of the gender, I was like, I don't even know what the person was in the first place. Uh, but it came it was it was okay. It was good. I felt like uh could have been a TV show.
2: Yeah. But that's it would have the same thing Alexis, that's the same thing Alexis thought too. Yeah, that's the
1: same thing I brought up. I said this should have been a series on Disney Plus so we could take time to get to know the characters. Yes, yes yes yeah um me- renee uh, what did you think of eternals in 20 words or less um pretty much agree um about
3: the it should be a tv series it would work much better because um well i like the the first act and the third act the second act was torture the um, let's
1: get the getting the band back together
3: yeah segment. it's like pick up your cues people i do not like dead air and stairs and uh <laughs> nothing going on in the background.
0: I'm <laughs> just like somebody fight already. Somebody fight. Dude, punch him in the face. Come yeah.
1: on. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, uh Jeff, do you want to pull up the uh, article on the side there?
2: Yeah. Oh, hold on one second. I don't I don't even I don't have it. I don't have it. Oh, I, I'm already like I apologize. Give me one second and I'll pull it up. <sighs>
3: He was thinking about Jennifer Beals and Finnick.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right?
1: Pretty much. (laughs) Here, you guys entertain yourselves for a split second. I got to take care of a whining lab. Uno Momento. Okay. (laughs) And let the dog out, too.
0: (laughs) But Yeah, I I look at some of those aliens in Star Wars, and it's like, nah, I would never sleep with that. I'll sleep with that. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. Oh, wait, that's not so nice so i like the fact that they they make the uh the actresses look more presentable because there's some of those aliens that are just not attractive in any form like i'm like oh and then the tweeks supposed to be sex slaves. so i'm like man
3: i I thought the whole the whole um tiamat and the um other um what do you call that thing celestial being i thought those were just well done i i really love the whole where he comes rising up out of the ocean sequence.
0: Yeah, those, really well those aliens. Yeah, yeah. But it, it does beg
1: to be like, so nobody else saw this? When did this happen? Yeah. I. I, I think they could improve on that in the future by bringing this up, but it does still seem weird. It's like we got one news report. It's not talked about at all in No Way Home. So yes. it's like, so does anyone else want to talk about the giant hand and face that just appeared out of the ocean? Which has mm-hmm. also probably caused serious tsunamis and other, yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, global issues. I mean, I refuse to believe something like that did not come up, and we're not getting epic global reactions like volcanoes and earthquakes and everything. It's like so, this has to affect the planet. Well, it's but it, but they're using a different
3: form of energy, um, so it, it, the they may be able to control the tsunamis and all that, and so that it's it's less catastrophic than what it what we think it would
1: be possibly so this article that uh, jeff found earlier talks about uh, it says you know why eternals lorraine doesn't make it an mcu disaster and one of the big things it talks about was how this movie while yeah we may argue may not uh be up there with other uh members of the mcu films is still leaving an impact because of the way it was shot and the cast this is one of the most diverse uh representative casts we have ever seen in a movie, let alone a Marvel movie, we have so many different ethnicities. We have our first gay superhero. We have our first deaf superhero, not counting Hawkeye, who I know has hearing loss, but we're talking like fully deaf. Uh, this is very influential, I would say, because of Chloe Zhao's filming style. Uh, we ta- Again, this is something we talked about on uh, the Bleeding Edge a while back. Chloe Zhao did not want to film this on a soundstage. Uh, nearly every scene was filmed on location somewhere. Uh, There's very little blue screen uh, or green screen, whatever she used. I don't know. Uh, She was very adamant they use a lot of natural lighting. So this is a very beautiful... You know, Audi said this is a very beautiful film. It really is. Why am I staring at a picture of Stewie Griffin?
2: (laughs) Brian. Brian.
1: Uh-oh. Oh, there it goes. So yeah, it is a very gorgeous film, no doubt about that. And I think that this is going to have an influence on future movies. I think that the I think the bar has been set not so much for story and characters, but for more practical aspects of filming, like casting, and for cinematography. Um, Renee, what do you think? Um.
3: Yeah, um, we have to um, – I think when we we're thinking in modes of like 20 years ago when box office meant everything, but now um, these films are coming out in two-tiered forms. So what they're not going to catch in the box office, then they're going to catch it up on their streaming. And because these stories are so interconnected, um, you're going to get eyeballs on it, even if maybe the movie's not, not – their cup of tea, or the best one that they've seen, because I've done that with several movies already, that I really wouldn't have cared about if they were done as separate movies, but because they were interlinked to the main stories, I had to uh, go ahead and watch them, so, and again, um, they're going to be streamed over and over again, and uh, they're up, you can, anytime you want to look at them, you can just click on your Disney Plus, and catch up on it you know so yeah there's there's a different uh, financial dynamic behind this and keep in mind this money's going to go in the same bank account that um endgame went into so all so all this money is all going into one source so it's not like they're going to lose their shirt if this movie doesn't perform as well as the next one does
1: yeah so how do you think this is going to influence future mcu films um, well, yeah, I mean, that's,
3: uh, I, well, I don't know how it's going to, uh, in, in the far future, but I can, it's in the near future, the next three or four years. Yeah. That's how it's going to be. <laughs> and we, and too, when you think about the the TV series, now we've watched these two because of these review shows, shows, we watch them each week, but after they have run that first, first run, they're going to be downloaded for uh, binge streaming after that. So people can go back and look at three or four, six however many they want to episodes they want to watch at a time and have a different experience than what mm-hmm. you what watching it once a week.
1: All right. Uh, Jeff, what, uh, looks like we temporarily lost Audi again there, Jeff, do you want to tell us, uh, what you think, uh, do, how you feel that, uh, a film like Eternals will influence the future of the MCU?
2: Oh, you know what? That's a really good question. Um, honestly, Alexis, it really is. Um, but you know what, it's, um, I guess if I had to just kind of try to sort of off the cuff on this, I'd say that um, probably uh, there's going to be a lot more um, reluctance to like um, try to like use obscure characters from the comic books like the Eternals to begin with. You know what I'm saying? As like a premise to actually like, you know, like have that work. You know, for them, like you know, in terms of like the 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 movies themselves, you know what I mean, and like the um, you know the 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 shows, you know the content in general. I feel like um, with the Eternals, um, there's going to be a lot less desire to like try to touch like some, you know, not like not even like really popular care like team or something like that from the comics and and throw them back up in a movie again.
3: All right. Um, um, you know, I disagree with that. I had no, absolutely no problem with the characters. It wasn't, or even the story, the narrative itself. I think it was just the pacing. I think uh, that particular director just she didn't, she doesn't understand how the you know the comic book movie kind of has to roll, uh, and it was different, you know. And it's it's fine. I think, I think one thing that's great about MCU is that there's room to fail. You know they. If this the next Eternals movie yeah. they do, if they do another one, might be the best one they ever did. You never know.
2: I agree with Renee definitely that like the um the uh the flow of the film was a problem throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Um like the uh the, the story itself was somewhat convoluted <laughs> at times, I felt like. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this on the review, Alexis. It's it was just so so dead, like the movie had no life, it had no energy. Mm-hmm. It didn't have any spark. It
1: didn't. Um, how do you, uh same question to you. How do you feel that uh, something like the Eternals might influence the future of the MCU? Audie, you there.
2: I think I think Audie is. Um... Oh, there he is. Audie, you there? Oh. I don't know, Alexis. doesn't sound good. Yeah. I... Why don't you go ahead and skip him for now, Alex? And why don't we... Alexis, okay,
1: another thing that the article picks up, which we've actually seen this on the uh, screen here for a few minutes, is the fact that one of the other concepts with the Eternals was that Uh, It is one of the few times that we were able to take a, like you guys mentioned, a fairly unknown set of superheroes. But it is very loosely connected with the rest of the MCU. The other films have always been very interwoven with each other, which is what Marvel has been working for, obviously. They've really been trying to keep these stories all intertwined. With the exception of a few notes about uh, the blip and Thanos And maybe like a couple of comments about Doctor Strange. Uh, Eternals has the least to do with other Marvel movies. Well, they do Um,
3: mention briefly uh, Thor, which um, it's true. They do. The first movie they taught, he says, um, I believe it's Gilgamesh. He says that when he helped out Odin, when the frost giants had invaded Earth. And I believe that's sort of like the opening sequence Mm -hmm. of the Thor movie.
1: Yeah there is that but so do you guys think that maybe this will inspire other filmmakers to try when they're bringing in more characters to to try to establish things on their own first before they start intertwining or do you think that this is going to because this movie didn't do so well that this is going to have marvel kem and new filmmakers saying no we need to intertwine them more uh jeff you go first
2: well um I think that, um, yeah, definitely that, that um, they've, it, they came to the conclusion probably with the Eternals that they need to stick to their formula of actually having origin stories, like for individual characters and stuff like that and whatnot, and do all the in- interconnected stuff um, in order to, like, you know, facilitate the team aspect working, the, like, you know, and selling, uh, like the Avengers did, for instance, in the first Avengers film. You know, it's a classic. You know what I mean? Like, um, the Eternals was epic, but it, but it, but it, but it, like, but it, it wasn't tangible. Like, it was like, it was hollow. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and you know, it 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 lacked soul. Like it, you know, and it, it certainly, like Renee said, and I think you did too, Alexis it certainly does not have the same energy that a typical Marvel movie, like typically would have. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. um, Even like, even WandaVision, right? Like even that, even though people thought it was so boring and slow and whatnot in the finale, they did bring, they did give us that like MCU energy, like with the action and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Like it was cool. You know, um, Eternals gave us very little, like very little of that as a film.
1: Very true. Um, Renee, you want to add any two cents there?
3: Yeah, I agree. I think the comparison to WandaVision, because even though it was like the first few episodes were confusing and, and, and bizarre and, and slow, about three or four episodes into it, then, then they begin to explain what this meant. And then, oh, and then you say, now I get it. And then you are able to appreciate those, even though you're remembering them at that point, you're able to appreciate those episodes more. And they didn't really, we didn't have a chance to do that with uh, the Eternals. It was just slam, here was a a half dozen or more characters, and uh, they gave us elevator speeches as far as who they were, and and it went from there. And one thing that I did like about it, because one of the things that I'm I'm really interested in is mythology and how myths and everything are passed down through cultures and how we, in the modern age, mediated them, like as we have with comic books and things like that and movies. And um, so I really enjoyed that. And it's sort of like the little tie in with the ancient aliens idea that these sky people um, came down and sort of helped start all these civilizations. And as it were, bring fire, Prometheus brings fire to man type of of, uh, story.
1: Very true. It's a good way to look at it. But it wasn't enough of that.
3: I would have liked to see more of that, probably
1: yeah we do get like a couple little uh comments i think there's one scene where sprite mentions about uh starting the legend of icarus flying too close to the sun as a joke to their character icarus it's like yeah can we get more of that again this would have been better with a series so we could have seen stuff like that Mm -hmm. so um if there's any other uh unless there's any other points there jeff do you want to go to the next article
2: yeah why don't we go ahead and move on to the next article
1: okay Wonder if we've lost Audi for good?
2: Uh, hold on, I think I have him back.
1: So this next article, I'm I'm not going to lie; it's a little cut and dry. It's essentially a quote from Ken Feiggi talking about uh, civil war and how that has impacted. Uh, The MCU as a whole the idea of so many characters being on the screen at once is something that had never been done before even with the first Avengers movie we had six heroes this had what like at least 10 I'm trying to count in my head. (laughs) So this was a very ambitious project to do things like that and the fact and how well they did it really did set the precedent for future MCU movies. So, I hate to say it. I don't really know what else we can really we can talk about it there because I mean, what are we going to say? Was MC or was Civil War a game changer? I think we all know that. Um, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah um, that's true. Well, like, yeah, it's like, like a test. I like Captain America. Like bringing all these characters on screen and trying to coordinate them. Because this is what's going to happen in the, in the the two big finales of Phase 3 in, um, in Infinity War and Endgame. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a build-up for that.
1: Very true. So, yeah. But yeah, like yeah. I said, we've got the quote right here. Yeah, that if this movie hadn't worked, we would not have gotten Infinity War and Endgame in No Way Home. No question. No question. Yeah, so... it, g-
2: it gave us the ambition for movies like Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. Um yeah. Um Yeah, there's there you're right, there really isn't that much to talk about with it Alexis. I mean, um obviously like Civil War uh you without Civil War you don't get and you don't get Endgame and Infinity War. It kind of like it kind of broke the mold for like for the MCU as far as like putting that many characters like out on screen together in one shot. Oh, I think we actually lost Alexis there for a minute, unfortunately. You
1: didn't lose me. I had to go get her from barking outside. Oh, okay. Errol, Cleo, say hi, girl.
2: No, Alexis. Honestly, um, there there really isn't that much to talk about with that mm-hmm. article. If you want, we can go ahead and do our plugs and stuff like that and whatnot, and we can call it.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably good. Unless, uh, Renee, Audi, do you, either of you have any other uh, comments you want to put down on this?
3: Well, one thing, though, that what they had done with, with bringing out, they had all those characters. Most of them had had a pretty solid origin story up to that point. We knew all those characters. So we didn't have to be bothered with trying to figure out who they were. And we were, you know, we, we knew their foibles and we... Maybe we cheered for him, maybe we didn't, all of them, but you know, even so, we knew him.
1: Yeah, there is that. All right, Addy, two cents. Oh, we lost two cents. That. Is thats is two cents? Is that he's gone? Okay, <laughs> all right, then let's go ahead and get into plugs. Renee, uh, what do you want to plug any uh, future podcasts? Anything else you want to discuss? Uh, let uh, the folks at home know you're going to be working on.
3: Yeah, um, tomorrow afternoon at uh, Podcast of Champions with uh, the Grandmaster and all the great folks at Sarkar. It'll be uh, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, on Skype.
1: And we will be talking the fifth episode of Bubba Fett. Awesome. Yeah, I think I talked about briefly joining in, but I'm busy this weekend. It's like, God, plans for. I'll Sorry, be there I'm as gonna...
2: well. I'll be there as well too. I'll be there with you today.
1: Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say busy tomorrow and Sunday. Gonna be watching the Chiefs play. So, Kansas City home t- Kansas City hometown girl. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. Um, Audi, since we got you back, uh, do you want to plug anything real quick? I uh, want to talk about. I, I know you got a YouTube channel. You want to talk about that?
0: Yeah, YouTube. YouTube, uh, Instagram, it's all actor audio on, on YouTube and Instagram. And uh, I would plug Rizzle, but nobody ever goes
2: to Rizzle. <laughs>
1: no, yeah, nobody uh, does, man. Nobody does. Too,
2: so. Nobody does. Nobody even knows. Nobody even knows it exists.
1: So that's a C T uh, O R A U D I E. That's the name of your YouTube channel and your Instagram page. Yep. H- Hello. Can you yeah. still hear us? Hello? Adi, there. <laughs> I feel like I'm in another country. <laughs> Adi, if you can hear me, I got to tell you, we love having you on the show, man. You're awesome. But before we get you on next time, we got to make sure we get you, yeah, on, if, you
3: a lap- if you got a laptop, that that should work for you. That's what I had to do. And download mm-hmm. Chrome.
1: Yeah so there is that so but yes uh a-c-t-o-r-a-u-d-i-e that is his youtube and his uh instagram go check him out uh, very obviously if you can tell from uh, the stuff he's given us tonight he is a hilarious gentleman so definitely oh, yeah. he's gonna have some fun thank you it, Adi.
3: thank you Adi.
1: thank you Adi. all right um jeff do you want me to do my plugs first or yeah do you go idea? ahead
2: alexis go ahead
1: Okay, so uh, the page that we got up here is my personal uh, plug. That is from my company, Honeysuckle Rose Creations. We're fashion meets fandom at the intersection of geek and chic. We hand make jewelry made out of upcycled game pieces. We are going to be doing a lot of stuff for uh, the upcoming Valentine's Day. If you are looking for something for your geeky sweetheart, we got you covered. Uh, Among other things, we have got uh, tons of romantic couple items that i like we have these choker sets of some of our favorite geek couples including black panther and storm we got gambit and rogue we've got wanda and vision Uh, we got a couple of other pieces featuring uh designs of those candy hearts Uh, i'm actually wearing one of the pieces these are earrings made out of battleship tokens yep there's the uh, candy hearts pieces that i was talking about and for fans of boba fett and the mandalorian we do have some fun star wars pieces we got man we got a star wars uh hair barrette and bracelets so go ahead and head on over our shops are on etsy and handmade at amazon uh you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram we just got our instagram page up and running again um short version uh we got hacked right before the holidays and my our company's instagram page ended up getting destroyed mm-hmm. so we have just finally gotten it back up and running uh so we're starting out new we're trying to get more subscribers back on trying to let people as like no this is the new page i swear this isn't spam uh but you can go ahead and find us again on etsy and handmade at amazon you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram that is honeysuckle rose creations the intersection of geek and cheek and now on for uh my business plugs uh like uh jeff mentioned before, i am a cleo will you stop hitting the damn keyboard this dog is going to kill my computer i swear um i am a member of the uh rattle and broadcasting network we are going to be we got a full plate ahead of us of reviews coming up. Uh, one of our big ones, I believe that's going to be airing tomorrow, is our latest uh, round of Tripped Up Trivia. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we just recorded that. We're down to editing. Uh, that is, ugh. like I said, it's going to be airing tomorrow. Uh, the theme for January's game was video games. So we had a lot of fun recording that. <laughs> uh february scene which we're going to be recording on the 19th the theme is everything with the dark knight uh this is to tie into the release of the new batman movie that's coming out jeff i know that you're going to be on uh that game for that one looking forward to it man
2: yes most definitely
1: So we're, I think we still got a few more contestants really good for, for that. So if you think your knowledge of everything Batman rivals Jeff's, go ahead and hit up. That's the Radalich and Broadcasting Network. You can hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Let us know that you're interested in playing because we're always looking for more contestants. So.
2: That's that all is, I got. Is that me? Okay. So yeah. And I'll be live, uh, moderating another show on Sunday evening at nine 20 PM. Eastern six twenty PM. Pacific, uh, covering the MCU probably for the most part. Um, and, uh, I'm not sure who's going to be on there with me yet, but I'm sure it'll be an interesting show. And hopefully I'll see some of you folks that end up watching this as, as a video, um, at some point later on, like on another show. But, um, We really appreciate all of our subscribers. Thank you to all of our new subscribers. And um, shout out to everybody in the fandom. And shout out to everybody at Podcast of Champions. Thank you, Renee. And thank you, Alexis. And um, we're out of here, folks.